it's been a, a tricky week in terms of mortalities. Um, we lost former, the last a president of the apartheid regime, former President F.W. de Klerk. Um, he lost his battle to cancer. And there are obviously contrasting views on this. I don't know if you have any anything to share on that, um, because, yeah, like, uh, I've I've been a little bit disappointed in a few commentaries that I've heard and read um, where it was overwhelmingly negative, even in the light of the atrocities that were committed under his rule and that he had a part of. I, I still believe that we wouldn't be the South Africa we are today were it not for some of his actions. Uh, what do you have to say about the, the former president, the Groot Crocodile? Was he the Groot cro Crocodile or was P.W. No. Boerta the Groot Crocodile? Boerta was a crocodile. My apologies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think he came across as a bit more gentler and uh, less confrontational than the previous, um, the previous uh, presidential um, people. Um, yeah. He must have had <coughs> some kind of an epiphany, excuse me for my cough, uh, um, that we don't always know about when people bring as, as a major change as he did. And whether it was done under, under the fear of civil war, which we all thought we were hinging on, mm. um, that the only other way out was negotiated settlement, uh, and therefore, a ba uh, unbanning of the political leadership um, that people were yearning for. Um, sometimes things are done under duress, knowing that you are literally standing on the edge. Um, I was I was privy to his last speech. I listened to it, and I appreciated that he in he acknowledged. Um, that he had believed in the ideology of apartheid, but chose to use the words separate development mm. and uh, mm. worked on that as a political model. And that he realized just the kind of damage that did to people of color. And, um, and he was apologetic. He, he said sorry for that. And he said some people thought he didn't apologize enough <clears throat> and so he had um, said and made an apology on that regard um, and then he also encouraged the country to take its constitution much more seriously um, he said because our nation's um, um, uh, democracy uh, will work if we work the constitution I want to also just say that I also was privy to Fort Kalata's son, um, one of the four that died, that were killed mm. in the Eastern Cape. Um, and uh, the son had, this was a law case that he had, uh, that was just about coming through uh, we, we to find you know to 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 um, as as a what's name to hold the clerk and others 
uh, accountable for his father and the deaths of the what what is that what is that name that they call them the um, the four uh, was yeah. it Craddock four Craddock four the Craddock four. yeah and um and this this thing was brilliant very gentle in the way that he spoke about it and he, he never had either he had the opportunity to meet the clerk because of a work assignment he's a journalist but he never had an opportunity to sit down with him to talk this thing through and if this young man projects such a yeah I, I, there, there needs to be accountability needs to be truth telling but if his approach was gentle um then one understands how he was raised and that his father wasn't the criminal apart that made him out to be uh his father one of the Catholic four their their vision and view was for a bloodless change over and transformation towards a democracy that's what i read so it, it it's a pity that the two voices were there one alive and the other one had just passed but putting juxtaposing their two conversations where the one was seeking to actually have the other man accountable the other one is saying i here at the end of my life i'm saying i'm sorry now whether there's a level of accountability in that well that's up to god at the end of the day so i'm just appreciating my conclusion of that is to say that we cannot be forced from history that the credit did play a positive role whether he was underused to do so is mm. neither here nor there the fact that he actually did so uh, was important we do also know that and also read <clears throat> that as they tried and tried and balanced out these leaderships um you know people are saying we cannot keep making mr mandela such a saint as if he also never did had any shortcomings but he was necessary for that first 5 years to take over and become first president of a democracy we needed that start um we also needed an end to apartheid with a clerk there whose attitude was keeping those that wanted war from the apartheid side at bay i think if you had somebody that was fighting before the change we would have had a terrible transition but mr madiba mandela gave us that from a very dark past mm. light shone and you can't speak about mandela without the clear can you can't speak yes. about the clear without mandela yeah their legacies will always be intertwined and even though the urge especially among my generation the elder millennials um there's this there's this it's vogue it's in vogue now to aggressively rewrite history and to tell the harsh truths and you know all of this and there was like just some utter disrespect to the declared legacy uh from both sides of of the racial divide um obviously he has haters on each side i know um of the the older generation of your generation are very much justified to have um as some were calling it friday number 2 um, <laughs> on friday in celebration of his passing and i mean more power to those people i mean if that's your closure that you needed celebrate it you know if it makes you sleep better go for it but 
yeah, I'm I'm more leaning towards a balanced view, a more nuanced view of of the role that he played. Uh, like the writing was on the wall. He read the writing, but he still is honored with the decision to unban the political parties and to transition to a government of national unity. Um, as you said, he could have not done that. Um, and our history would have been a lot different now, uh, for better or worse. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just it, it's important that we that we tell the balanced story. Well, it's not. It's never been my view that the the role of the media or journalists, you know, they've always spoken as the midwives to history. It's, that doesn't mean you have to birth two babies every time. You know, you can't tell both sides of the story if one side is wrong. Um, yeah. You have to tell the truth and you have to use your skills to discern or help the public discern what the truth is without prejudice, no mercy, no malice. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think the cleric's it, yeah. legacy is is written. Well, the truth needs to, because I'm, I'm listening to a lady called Jane Elliott, and I did speak to you about her last week. Mm. She is a, an educator and um, she is one that um um <coughs> works uh, um to educate people about racial biases and wants people to understand that we form a, 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 a one human race and that this thing about whiteness is really just an illusion um yeah. that yeah. people have created as a way of protecting them them their, themselves and so on for whatever reason they feel illuded about it um so so she said, you know, and the way that I'm listening to her is that even in the history books that have been written, we need to firstly understand what is truth, what through fact. Yeah. <clears throat> then you need to say anybody who then has the fact, you need to then say a writer will then uh, have a bias about something about that fact and its impact. Hmm. And then another writer will have a different bias about that. But we yeah. first have to go search out what are the truths, what's the facts around this thing. I'm just doing some, I was sitting in the church today, yesterday and today, um, because they were busy fixing, uh, we had a, the power surge that caused the system to be eroded, the media system. So we had somebody put in new cables and so on. And I was noticing that on the church's wall, on the left side where the organ is, there are two indications about the age of our congregation. One from 1914 mm. to 1999 tells us that 85 years were celebrated. Right at the bottom is a plaque that says, to the glory of God, this church was consecrated by Desmond Tutu, um, uh, Archbishop of Cape Town, on the, in February of 1987. Mm. <clears throat> on the other side, there's a photo that is there now for 30 years that was um, painted by Norma Stevens in 1991. Mm. I don't know who Norma Stevens is. And so that painting in this year, I'm glad I picked it up, it celebrates 30 years of being in that church. Mm. When I explored the dates of why, why was this church only consecrated in 87, when I listened to Uncle Colin, he said, but I was here in, in 1980 and the church was here already. So I explored 
Then I saw on the wall, there's a stone that was laid by Robert Selby Taylor in 1969, attached to this building. So when was the church built and when did the consecration take place? And I'm saying, so I phoned uh, Eval to find out by Eval if he knew anything about it. And then Haley shared into this. Well, I was confirmed on that before 87. We came to live here before 87. So mm. why was the church mm. consecrated in 87? So we couldn't establish the fact about that, uh, that documented history. It's on the wall, it's written in a plaque form. But I, for the first time in six years, took notice of it. And I now <laughs> say, when I read that, what history am I reading of St. George's? So I explored the fact to try and find out the story behind it. Um, so how do we write the history then? Do we now say, 1914 was when the congregation existed in the in Fortrek in Fortreker Road. Sorry, Van Riebeek mm. Road. When did it, the church was built here then and consecrated? And why was it so long after having been built? Because it says the church consecrated by what's name. So I thought it was very interesting. So the whole thing about writing of history, reading of history, what is fact, what is fiction, what is opinion? And hmm. how we actually, uh, you know, read it in. So, so um, we really need to teach our children how to read history. We need to also realize that not all history that was written necessarily holds with any truth. Yeah. <clears throat> and I just want to add for for your for tantalizing you, history. Some theologians say is a vehicle used by those who, who inspired to write the scripture. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> Until, <laughs> no, I'm not going to go down that road. I already stumped on, on <laughs> Nelson Mandela's legacy last week. <laughs> you can go listen to that if you want to. Um, to I want to add Bishop, Bishop Margaret in her pastor letter this week, her approach to writing about uh, and acknowledging as the, the head of our diocese. Hmm. In a, she said, in a kindly note, we, we acknowledge the passing of the president, the clerk, and, you know, his part in this. So try and understand that, yes, we appreciate, but at this other time, we also know he was part of the mechanism hmm. that destroyed <clears throat> this country's hopes.